Hello, and welcome to 10 Very Big Books, a Malazan read-through podcast. My name is Peter Bond. I've read every book in the main series. However, my co-hosts are reading the series for the first time. With me today is my friend and closest confidant, India Jones. Hello, hello. Our producer, AJ Faleri. Hello. And he's caught every Pokemon that's ever existed. It's Joshua Dean Baker. That is explicitly false. I've never, I've never beaten a single Pokemon game. Wow. 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 Yeah. Even I've beaten a Pokemon game. Wow. Yep. Wow. Not even once. Um, I heard good so, things about the new Pokemon Snap. That's a fact so, for the gamers out there. I, mean, I actually heard bad things about the new Pokemon Snap. Oh shit. Wow, yeah. this episode's getting off to a controversial start. Oh my god, I yeah. was just thinking that. Can we change the name of the show to Three Pokemon Masters and One Rookie? I have been in a Pokemon game, so it doesn't make Josh look like a loser. So. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I was too busy, like, you know, working out and kissing girls. <laughs> Sounds like you. Sounds like you. But not with um, your Raichu. <laughs> so today on the show, we're talking about uh, the Bone Hunters, chapter 17, 18, 19, and 20. We started book four. And uh, we're ramping up into the finale. So I think there's a lot to talk about this week. So I think it could be good if we get straight into it. I think it could be great. Could could be great. We can't make any promises, though. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Set the bar low. Chapter 17. In Malaz City... The priest Banishar speaks with a man he calls Foreigner. We hear about the mood of the Empire. There was a recent purge of Wiccans in the city. Coltane and Bolt are considered traitors. They say Shaikh has not died, the rebellion isn't over, and now a plague rules seven cities. Banishar senses the high mage Tashran in Mach's hold, but they cannot contact each other. On a ship, Aldra An recalls the history of the Blue Rose people, and his time as a spy amongst the Eater. Perhaps they have found somebody to kill Brulad. Twilight speaks with Tarlac Veed about Akarium. Tomad Sengar is unimpressed with Akarian, and doesn't believe he will be able to kill the Emperor. Veed and Akarian speak then about killing, vengeance, and ending the Eder Empire. Tomad Sengar considers a test for Akarian. Cotillion travels to the First Throne. First, he speaks with Manala and Ibra Golan. Eater have sieged the throne multiple times, and those defending it have suffered heavy losses. Without Troll, Onrak, and Apt, they may not have survived. Cotillion then speaks to them, first about the Eater and Chaos magic. After, about the Talani Mass, war and assail, and the weakening power of the first throne. Manala asks Cotillion to take some of the children with him, but he refuses. Onrak says he won't see Cotillion again. Panic then says dragons cast shadows into Cotillion's realm, and the god is shocked. 
Troll wonders why it is the Eater are so dedicated to controlling the First Throne, and if it has something to do with the crippled god. Shadow Throne appears then and begins to heal them. Samar Dev speaks with Featherwitch about languages. Featherwitch threatens her. Samar says if she is killed, Karsa will kill everyone on the ship. After, Samar speaks with the Taxilian about language, the Tana Spirit Walker, and how the Eater are planning to imminently destroy a Malazan fleet. Banishar speaks with Braventooth and wants to smuggle a message into Tashran. Together, they mourn the soldiers of Yucatan, and a soldier named Temper joins them. Pearl mourns the Sari Yil and thinks of his life without her. He then speaks with Malakrel. Malakrel has been stirring up rumors of him as a hero and sparking some of the purges of the Wiccans. Rel tells Pearl to speak to Corblo Dawn and learn about his secret service to Lassine. Pearl suspects that Malak Rel will soon threaten the Claws himself. AJ, it's been a whole 17 chapters since the prologue, since we <laughs> just caught a smidge of the priest Banishar. Yeah. And we he's back. We, we, he's back in a major way. And, and in these four chapters, he kind of comes back a few times and he's like in Malice City and we learn a few different things. But in this introductory phase, we learn a lot, I would say, about the mood of the Empire, what's going on. What's been going on with the Wiccans? What's going on with Lassine? What's going on with Malak Rell? What's going on with Tasha? All this stuff. Well, first off, what's your impression about Banishar as a as a as a person? And then, what do you think about what's going on in the Empire and Malaz City? I mean, Banishar is like your classic exiled priest, right? He's just like, I don't know what to do without my God. Let me just drink all day. You know, it's like classic we all know that story you know we've all we've all been there we've all been there <laughs> um but no i think he's a really interesting I, I thought every time we came back to him was was very like cool like not much happened but i thought it was just neat to have this like inside view of the city and the people in it and how the people in the city are talking about the empire and like what's happening and stuff and i thought that stuff was very cool i th i think what struck me the most was that the city is basically like culling all the Wiccans in like a really brutal way. Just like feels bad. It feels so mm -hmm. bad. Uh, but but well, not but because they are still dead. But Banishar says something about them trying to get rid of the bodies in the ocean and that like male won't accept them. And so there's just like piles of dead Wiccan bodies on the shores. If I read that right. Um, mm. And just really fucking fucking brutal as hell um, in a bad way. Yeah. They really when we were t when they were talking about the uh, the Wiccan stuff, it really brought me back to chapter one or maybe even the prologue of uh, Deadhouse Gates with Felicin and like the weird callings of the rich people. Mm. Was that also in Malaz City or is that a different city? I think that was in Malaz City. 
Yeah, it really made me think of that. This city has, it really seems like it's like, we got problems, let's band up and kill people. Cullen. That seems to be, and was, now, that was for Hood, though. There were, like, priests of Hood at that, not Drek. Hmm, that was, that was, there were priests of Hood, but that wasn't, I think, was, was not necessarily related to the culling of, the, of those noble families. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Inge, what stood out to you when we're kind of getting the tone of the empire and how how the, the 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 events on Seven Cities have filtered back to the empire itself? You know, I just find it ironic that these Malazans are going around like, no, we're the best, and we're just going to make everything okay now. But in their own cities, they're just randomly <laughs> killing people all the time. It seems a little shady. Yeah, I don't know if I would trust them to run my city. But it's, you know, like seven cities is just such a brutal it's... place. <laughs> I think they need the smart governing laws of the Malazans to come mm. in and show them how to run their cities, you know? It's almost as if the, the disconnect between the military complex and actual society is like too large to actually be gapped. Christ. <laughs> Sorry. This that is... was a lot, bud. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just feel like we're going somewhere and I'm not mad at the the destination. But Where do you where do, where do you think we're going? I just think we're going to total freaking anarchy. Mm. Also, when are the Wiccans going to be like, "Guys, fuck off." They've been using the Wiccans and like killing the Wiccans and just for so long, I'm just what I'm just waiting for an uprising. Well, the thing is, Coltane and Bolt betrayed the Empire, so it's kind of Fuck justice you. when you really think about it. <laughs> you know, there was definitely also like it. It was implied a couple books ago that Coltane is being reborn into somebody. So I, <laughs> I imagine probably whenever Coltane's new body shows up is when the Wiccans will rise if up. If there's any fucking Wiccans left, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Well, we haven't. We're not on the Wiccan plains. Well, that's Wiccans true too. That's in true Malice, too. Malice City. Right, 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 right. I hear Wiccans drink the adrenochrome of babies, so I feel like. <laughs> what the fuck does that even? I don't know what dumb shit you just referenced, and I'm glad. It sounds What's like a Scientology thing. And it's, yeah, it's a QAnon thing. We can okay. move on. All right. So. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> so Josh Tashrin's back. Uh, the you know I can't get a hold of him though. He's not answering his phone. Um, <laughs> I don't miss Tashrin at all. You don't miss him. See ya, I guess. <sighs> nah, he reacted too late in book three, and since then, fuck him. All my homies hate Tayshrin. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, listen, <laughs> we're, we're, we can come back to Banishar and this plotline, because I think he's in the next two or three. We, he come, there's like two yeah, or three more pops, scenes with him. He pops up a lot. Yeah. And actually, AJ, I wanted to say, I didn't really get the sense that he was in the bars drinking because he was upset about, I don't, like, it didn't seem like he was upset he was banished from his order or anything. I actually said, it seemed like maybe he left it moderately willingly. I don't know. I never got that vibe that he was, like, upset about the situation. He was just kind of, like, didn't know what else to do. Sure. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I get, I get that. I think I agree with you. Where it's just like he okay. needed something else to do, so he's just yeah. getting wasted all the time. Well, I mean, like, look, if we if I lived in medieval times and I had enough money to not work, I would exclusively get drunk in bars. There's nothing <laughs> yeah. else to well, do. I think, I think there's no PlayStations. There's no Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, uh, I... there's like a book every four months <laughs> written by the same guy, and you can't read. So <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, and I, and I think too, it's just like I think. He probably left Drek like knowing that. I mean, we don't find this out for a little bit, but knowing that the entire group was about to be called by Drek, like if he's a, 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 a 
as good a priest as he not seems like because he's just like drinking in these chapters. But mm-hmm. if he was like a, a good priest, he probably saw this reckoning coming. Right. And it's just like, well, I guess it's time to peace out before I get murdered True. by my God. Makes sense. And uh, that kind of puts puts a pin in that kind of slaughter from the prologue, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, wait! What? I forgot that temple—the one that he- that got Hellion sent to the army. I forgot yeah, that was a they... temple of Drek where all those priests were slaughtered. And now it makes sense, knowing that it was the literal god himself that did it. Mm. We still don't know who that fucking guy was, right? From the prologue, who just kind of popped up. If I remember correctly, Let's see if I can find his name. But no, I don't think I so. For- I don't think we do either. Maybe he's the same guy on the ship who was talking with Hellion. So uh, we- I think it maybe it was foreigner. I don't know. We cut. Nah. We- oh, it could be foreigner. We don't know. We cut to the Eder fleet, where we touch in with Aldraon. But a boom. Oh, uh, Pete, b- a broad question that popped up while we, while reading these four chapters. Is there, and I mean, this is a specific question. Is there a time skip between Midnight Tides and this book? Definitely. Yeah, what the heck? Definitely. There has to be, okay, there's like a two, I think they said like in the last two years or something, like they had mentioned it's been years since that war happened, which I found interesting. I don't know how long. But okay. definitely, I mean, you got to think, I mean, of course there's a time skip, right? It's because Troll it was found like after right, right. being exiled on a long time in the in like early house. And see, I thought I thought there had been a time skip of like a handful of months. But then there was something in these four chapters that made me go, I think it's been several years, mm. actually, which I had not expected. I definitely don't. I, just... I couldn't tell you an exact number right now, but it's it's not a few well, months. Well, then what are you doing? <laughs> Um, <laughs> why? why are you here? <laughs> so we touch in with Aldra on and we get a little blue rose knowledge mm. throwback. You know, I am guessing you guys weren't expecting Aldra on to show up in this book. But no, in this chapter, a lot of Eater stuff kind of emerges back into the scene, not only with Aldra on, but also with Twilight. Shout out. What up? Yeah. Woo! Egg on my Podcast. face for saying Twilight wasn't going to be a character. Yeah. Egg on your face is right. Did you say that? Yeah, back when in in the last book. Oh, yeah, I guess that was just the last book, huh? Yeah, and they were getting destroyed by the fucking. So, India, what do you think? Do you think Ikarium can kill Rulad, or do or do you think he should be tested? Um, I think it's safe to say that Ikarium can kill Rulad. Tomad Sengar is all over the fucking place. I feel, but you know, if he wants a test, then he'll test. He'll get. I gotta say. I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't want to be on that boat. That's my take. You know. Me either. What the hell? They really must be underestimating uh, Ikarium. And also with that guy in his ear, like, no, you gotta fucking do it. Yeah. So it's be- for the people. Yeah. You can bring peace by the sword. My. This and is then Ikarium's like, no, plan. I don't want to. It's just gonna bring more bad. And he's like, nah, do it. <laughs> I don't know why you did that in a whiny voice. I agree with the card. <laughs> and that's because that's how it sounded, because that's how he, he whined it, essentially. Are, are we disagreeing? We all know who Akarium is, and he, he is a strong yet whiny whatever he is. It's 100% true. I would say he Thank has you. A, I would say he's a soft side. He's not whining. I, Peter, I'm absolutely entitled to my own opinion. And <laughs> I don't know. And in, and in this case, in this case, her opinion is correct. I'm, I'm pushing back on your opinion. I'm not attacking you. I, I don't feel attacked. I'm just saying there's nothing that's going to change my thoughts about Ikarium. Like, there's no doubt Ikarium can fuck up a city, a world, whatever. But a little whiny. 
Okay, I'm just saying not wanting to kill people doesn't make you a whiner, is my opinion. You're right, but mm. when you whine about not wanting to kill people, oh, it does make God, you yeah, a whiner. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I think there's like an yeah, element. Because like Pete, Pete, every day I don't want to kill people, <sighs> but I'm not over here lamenting. Like, Well, you don't have somebody next to you like, Josh, you should kill Josh. You, you don't have, yeah, exactly. You'd be Josh. surprised who I have going on in this mind. Yeah, have you met my girlfriend? <laughs> every day. <laughs> Jesus <Fucking> Christ, guys. <laughs> Um, just having a normal one out here yeah <laughs> so uh yeah twilight aldra on anyone have any takes on these two and their emergences into the plot again you uh, act like i'm sorry uh josh i just need to uh, wh- where do i know aldra on from because that was did- a new name if we ever met them, I don't remember them. Did we? Yeah, they were the ones at, oh God, whatever that one siege was. I, I don't remember what it was in the last book. Um, where, they had a very small part. Yeah, they talk line. about the Blue yeah. Rose clan, though, being like secret Tistan. They're the one that yeah. talk about it. Yeah. Why wouldn't I remember that? You're <laughs> such an idiot. I'm surprised that I did. I remembered that the Blue Rose were Tisty Andy. I forgot that it was an eater that told us. Although technically they're not an eater. I have no yeah. idea what Blue Rose is either. What the fuck? So, so India Blue Rose were the people that the Leth- the Letharis, like, they mentioned the Blue Rose. They lived to the east. They were like, they taught us to ride horses with these cool saddles. And then uh, I think it was the the guy who can't die. What, what's his face? The strong boy? Rulad. Rulad. No, no, the guy that took the girl. The guy that took uh Saren, the, oh, one of the takes oh, Saren. The, the Crimson Guard? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah the Crimson Guard guy. I think he was like, oh. hey, you're, but they, he was like, oh, we got, we love these saddles. They're from the Blue Rose. And he was like, well, that's fucking funny because that's a Tisty Andy design and it's backwards. And that was our like hint that that's who they were and that they were fucking with people. Josh, I can't believe you were like, I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard this name before, but here's the exact plot points that happened around them. <laughs> that's how my, it's how my <laughs> brain Fuck works. Fuck you guys. Again. Honestly, I just remember that being really funny, and so it's in my brain mm. forever. Yeah, Iron Bars so, is his name. Iron and Bars. Iron Bars. I knew I had Iron. I just didn't commit to saying it because I was afraid it was wrong. Hot Iron. I like the Blue Rose. I will say, I've always thought their name sounds like a perfume or something. You know, mm. mm-hmm. the Blue um, Rose. Blue Rose. So that's a type of people, or that yeah. the place is Blue Rose. Both. It's a group of Tisty Andy, but they call themselves the Blue Rose because they didn't know they were Tisty Andy. Oh. Did they know they were Tisty Andy? They did not. They, they had been okay. such a long time since the betrayal that they have just assumed that they were just a lighter skinned eater or something. Interesting. Okay. Um, That's actually funny. I'm not trying to discuss this, but I just want to quickly read the room and also give a quick recommendation. Did anybody watch episode two of um, Rick and Morty? No. no. Give a recommendation. Plug India, Rick and Morty King. You know, I am. And I highly recommend watching it. If you like the show, it was the best episode they've ever put out. Ever, really? ever, ever, High ever, praise. ever, ever. I anyway. don't like I don't like it, but HR is obsessed with it. Yeah, me too. I've just never I really liked it. I only watched the fir- I watched the first three seasons. I didn't watch I feel like I watched the first season with Pete in college. I watched the first it, season in college and then I, I it got like kind it. of like still good, but not great. But this new season is like fucking straight fire, man. But anyway, sorry, I digress. This, I just yeah. The show is laser focused today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. 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 That's how I felt about Acarium. <laughs> 
So let's uh, cut to, I mentioned last time that we weren't done introducing new plots into the story, and this is kind of <laughs> what I was talking about. I was in, a little upset. In that this week, everything kind of came crashing back in. It was like, oh, and like, okay, by the way, did you forget Troll Sengar's in the plot? And we go back to the first throne to check in with Troll, to check in, and there, Manala's there. We talked about the Talane Mass, a lot of stuff going on. AJ, what did you take away from this part? Uh, I, it took me a second to remember who Manala was because we haven't <laughs> heard her. Really? Na- well, it just like a second. Cause like we, we haven't heard her name I'm since. With, I'm with you, AJ. The beginning it, yeah. of it's House of Chains. The beginning of House of Chains, Kalam was like, all right, bye Manala. And that was it. That's not true. Yeah. She's at yeah. the end of House of Chains when they're like going to fucking hang out at the first throne. With her children. Yeah. Or is she? Oh, I had fuck. no memory yeah. of that. The troll rolls was... up and it's like, I'm going to protect you. And Manala's there and with App. Yeah. I had no memory of that. I was with, I was 100% Spam. with AJ. I was so confused for a minute. Well, don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But we haven't had, I guess my point is we haven't had any like Manala content <laughs> since Deadhouse Gates. And now uh, we've got a menagerie. Of and, and now content. it's, yeah. Her menagerie of children. Yeah. Yes. Ooh, um, yeah. No, I mean, I thought this was cool. I thought. I'm, you know, happy to see my boys back and being uh, sad and brothers with each other is very nice, very sweet, warm my heart, but also very upset that they're hurt a lot. Uh, Manala yeah. says her the number of her children's from 1300 to 400, which is yeah, it's bad. fucking wild. It's not it's not good is the thing. It's not yeah. going good. I have a question about. So, you know, they saved all these children that were like kind of already dead mm-hmm. very brutally mm-hmm. only to turn them into child soldiers <laughs> and kill them again. <laughs> <Yikes>. Pretty much. <laughs> you, you I, don't I was like, wow, they're so nice for saving these kids. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't feel good, House Shadow. Doesn't feel good, you know? Yep. But so, but I actually really enjoyed that, um, that scene. Mm. Yeah. It sucks, though, when she's like, yo, take these kids. Like, let's stop this. And he's like, ah, sorry, can't do it. Too messy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't, sorry. The hands are tied. Shadow Throne will get here at some point <laughs> yeah. and heal everyone. He's on his way. I already by. called him. He's on his way. Well, and then she was, he was like, I have out, I can send some demons or some bullshit, but only at the proper time. Whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Talk about useless, but we do get like a lot of like cotillion moments. Mm-hmm. In this chapter mm. and these chapters, and I just feel so confused about what the fuck is going on with yeah. Cotillion. But I mean, I think that Steve actually told us that we get to see like a different side of the gods, la di da. And I just am finding that I'm disinterested in their little human side. Mm-hmm. Just show that? me the action, baby. What does that mean? And now, and now, real quick question: Cotillion, hot or not? Do we I, think? Bro, I was just thinking the same thing. He's got That's be a good hot, question. Right? I think hot. I'm gonna have yeah. to take it. To I the think Google. hot, and I think Shadow Throne super not. So, it really ditto. Cotillion hot, Shadow Throne not. That's that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank goodness. I agree. I mean, you can't just call someone the rope and have them not be hot. <laughs> oh damn! I didn't even think of that, India. <laughs> wow. Wow. Plus, he's got like he has that a rope. apple thing going on. You know, it's like. So I'm looking at a picture, and he definitely looks like every main character from American Horror Story. <laughs> Shit. That's pretty hot. Okay. So hot and white. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. We're, pre- oh. we're presenting now. We're looking through. Well, now that is just a picture of the guy from American Horror Story, but slightly <laughs> adjusted. Look at him. 
Look at him. Shy he's got, smile. A little, got a yeah. little easy. You look cutie, no one smile, you yeah. know? Look at that rope. Ooh. Oh, the children. All right, that's enough. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's also a lot of talk, Josh, about the Talan I Mass and what's going on with them in a greater sense and them going to war and the importance of this throne. So do you think the control of the Talan I Mass is up for grabs in a meaningful way? I didn't think that ever in these books until now, mm. and now I don't. I don't know. I mean, it feels like it, they said what the first hold kind of could maybe get like one army. I mean, it got the one Logros army and none of the others. I can't remember what did they. What did they say would be the key? They said there was something they could do. I thought, or or did they not? Maybe they were just like, no, we're gonna. They're gonna go kill the Jagged forever in this faraway place. A sale. That really. It really felt a sale. It really felt to me that that was them being like. I know we said there were four other armies. Can we? We don't need to worry about them. Just <laughs> pretend they're, they're gone. All right. If we ever they're go to a sale, they're too far away. The signal does yeah, not please, reach. Please, readers, we don't need to fret about them. That's kind of what it felt like to me. That's mm. funny. Mm. Um, we can leave it there. Um, I do just want to. Sorry, I did just want to address the the dragon shadows reaching across realms. Oh yeah, Cotillion's yeah, like God. In, India India texted about that, and she was like, "I don't get it." And I was like, "Yeah, me, yeah." Fucking and either. then Manala says, "So many prisoners or something," and he's like, "Ah." Oh. And so I looked at that line for like a solid five minutes. I was like, "What the fuck does this mean?" And I could not figure it out. Um. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> is this the thing we is this the thing we should know, Pete? Or is this just <laughs> No, you're good. Don't worry about it. So Inge, we cut back to uh a, we're in the Eater fleet, but now we're on Samar Dev and Carso's boat. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh Samar Dev is talking all to Feather Witch and uh Feather Witch, boom, she's back in the plot. Fucking yeah, Feather and Witch. Yeah, India called it too. Fucking I think it was Feather Indi- Witch. I knew it. She's su- but she's still such a bitch. Oh god, Feather Bitch. <laughs> I didn't think it was her, even with the finger thing. Oh, really? I was like, but I don't. Th- well, I was like, I don't think Feather Witch can do magic, but she can now. Yeah, she in, got that in, finger, in, and she do finger magic now. Inge did call it. I did think. I I, I forget whether Inge was saying Taxilian was. I thought Feather that she Witch. was the Taxilian. Yeah, which is a different thing. But fe- I did know that. I was like, oh well, man, so man, if I was there, I, I I had Feather Witch written down in my notes with a bunch of question marks because like, is yeah. this Feather Witch? <laughs> well, you were an Asian. I wasn't. That one's mine. <laughs> yep, <laughs> it belongs to India now. There, there it is. Fe- Feather Witch. I can't, I can't read. I can't read. I'm sorry. I don't <laughs> right really there. know AJ. So, uh, and then Samar's like, well, you fucking kill me. Carson's going to kill everyone. Fuck you, you know? And then she <laughs> talks to Taxilian all about language and jazz. So, and, and, and jazz. Which, and jazz. <laughs> She's a big jazz head. She's really into that esoteric shit. Loves you know? Miles Davis. She loves Sun Ra. Um, so, Inge, what did you make of Samar Dev here in this whole sequence? Samar Dev is phenom. Love, as always. She's the best. She's the best. But didn't you say she's, like, not liked by a lot of people? I don't think I said that. I think she's generally pretty liked. Okay, I'm I'm pretty into Samar. Me too. Love Samar. And I... Just saying it, I would kill for her. (laughs) (laughs) So would Carsa. Yeah. And you wouldn't whine about it, okay? No, no, I would not. (laughs) I agree. Anyway, yeah, Samar Dev's really awesome. I loved this sec. I loved this part with her and Featherwitch, and I loved the conversation between her and the Taxilian and learning how, you know, he got there and what's going on with the boat and all that fun stuff. I also like when 
Feather Witch gets a little sassy and is like mad that Samurai Death won't teach her whatever language she speaks and then is like, I'm gonna kill you, essentially. <laughs> but then Samar's like, yeah, you try to kill me and Karsa will kill all of you. But then she's like, oh my God, am I like using Karsa as a weapon now? Which and is really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that mm-hmm. little like, wow, thought that she had because, I don't know, I think until this point, she's had these like, Feelings about Karsa and how he's always running off and killing things and coming back and la-di-da. But now she herself is like, am I seeing him as a weapon only and not like my my good my good pal Karsa? So I liked that. Um, overall, I think that this was the most interesting scene in the whole, all of the chapters. Because it was the only one that made sense. I really lo- love what you said. And I think there's some a definite parallel between Samar's relationship with Karsa and Tarlac's relationship mm. to Akarium. Mm-hmm. And like, what do these great warriors mean? What does their power mean to the people, to Akarium and Karsa? And then the people in their orbits who are trying to use their power or guide their power to whatever means it is, you know? So... Mm-hmm. I grok it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aj, do you think Karsa can kill Rulad? I think Karsa can kill Rulad, but it's a matter of, like, can he breeze bedic to keep Rulad from dying? You know, it doesn't, like, I don't think it matters if Karsa you can cut you him You don't in think half. Karsa has breeze bedic energy? <laughs> no. I just don't understand how nobody has killed Rulad and then just, like, chopped his body up. I was just getting ready to ask that. Did we see in Midnight Tides what would happen in that case? I think... I, did Did someone chop his head off at any point? I thought they just, like, filleted him. Yeah, Breeze filleted him. Iron Bars, like, crushed <laughs> his skull. I don't think he ever got beheaded, though, but... I can't imagine it would be any different. I just don't understand how nobody has thought to do that yet. Yeah, I would agreed. have thought to do that. I mean, they could, they could have. It seems like there have been a lot of people who have killed him. So maybe it's happened. Whatever. All this to say, yes. Carsa as well, I think, is down for the cause. Yeah. Mm. But I, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I think Carsa could, like, like realize that killing him would do nothing. So maybe he'll just, like, break all his bones or something. But I, I really, I just don't know. Oh, violence. Yeah, I, sorry. I, I don't know. <laughs> but um, if we're just talking about killing, yes, absolutely. So we end up back in Malaz City. Banashar is going to smuggle a message to Tayshrin. Shout out to Temper. What's up? And then uh, Josh Pearl is there kind of like, damn, Lestar is dead. My like shout out rip. Ooh. And then he goes and speaks with Malak Rel, who we have not seen since book two, I think. Yeah, the end um, of book two. And uh, what did you make of this conversation with Malik Rel? This okay, uh, ca- this- uh, you can start there. Malik Rel. Before you get into that, can you just yeah. also briefly summarize who Malik Rel is? Yeah, I got you. I got you. First off, before we get into Malik Rel, Pearl brings a soft boy energy that I really fuck with in a mm. hard way. I loved him being so sad about Lestaria. Yeah. Now. Moving on, Malik Rel was the uh, was the so in book two during the the chain of dogs with Coltane running away. Okay, Corbolo Dom, the bad guy from book four, was the general the the rogue Malazan general that was following them in book two. Malik Rel was his mage, pretty sure. The Gistal. Or or his advisor, maybe. He was. So Malik Rel is bad. Or was he? No, Malik Rel. Sorry, Malik Rel was the guy from the very beginning of book two who was talking with Duiker, 
on the docks who then went to Arin and was whispering in the ear of Pormqual, yes. the guy who was running Arm, and he was like, don't go save them, it's a mistake, and he was acting like he was for the Malazans, and then when the Coltane's army got in, he's the one that convinced Pormqual to go out, only for them to all get captured, and then Malakrel was the only one who didn't get crucified because he was the one who was making that plan all along. So he's like directly responsible for the crucifixion of that army. Yes. So Malakrel, we hate. We hate Malakrel, we hate Corbolo Dom. Corbolo Dom is the guy who, in book four, it, his army was the dog slayers who got killed by ghosts. But they, he got he got knocked out by Pearl first, I think. Yeah, and then and he got captured and brought to the capital. Yeah. Yes. They crucified the children. Uh, Yeah, no, 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 no. Those were Seven Cities rebels who were crucifying children in book two. <laughs> okay. Um, But they crucified all the soldiers. Yeah, hate Malik Rao, hate Corbolo Dom, and I hate that they're so dumb, but this plan could work because Malik Rao is just so good at, like, sewing dumb shit. It's, so he's directly responsible for these Wiccans dying. He fucking sucks. He yeah. might be my new least favorite character in the whole book series. I hate Wait, him so much. How is he responsible for the Wiccans dying? Because he's the one who was like, oh, and it's, you know, the, those traitors, Coltane and Bolt. And you're supposed to get from that sentence that he's the one that's been spreading those rumors. What a fucker. Yeah. Yeah, he sucks shit. Yeah. I hate yeah. him. Okay. All right. Yeah. So go ahead. Sorry. Thank you for the summary. No problem. I mean, I don't know if there's anything else unless Josh has some big takeaway from this scene. I mean, Malik Rell's obviously gained a lot of influence, you know. He has. And it's a very, fr- I, why can't they just kill him? You know, I get it. He's like powerful or some shit. I don't even understand. Does he do? Is he a magic dude or is he just like a politician? He's a just, he just good at- priest. So probably magic. Uh, I don't know. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So he's got some kind of warren tucked away. Yeah. He's a priest of male. Uh, he's a priest of male. Oh, shit. Well, my boy Bug better get in here. And say, I can't wait until he up. meets Bug and Bug just like fully yeah. turns him inside out or something. He's <laughs> 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 like, hey, this fucking sucks. Goodbye. And then, Every time male is mentioned in this book, I'm just yeah. like, my boy Bug. Our good friend Bug. <laughs> yeah. Every time. Literally. Uh, I'm, I do, per- I'm personal friends with this god. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do just want to say when Banishar is talking to Braventooth and he's drinking that red tea. Oh, and they're like, good. why is he drinking tea if he's trying to get drunk? And he's like, ah, well, he, he needs to get drunk so he can cry. But he needs to drink the tea so that it looks like he's crying blood. <laughs> like okay. That is some metal shit. Yeah, and I love it. So <laughs> stupid. That was like, so dumb. dumb. <laughs> yeah. I, like funny dumb. I, yeah. I don't know. That, I just liked that. I was a big fan. Yeah. Chapter 18 Bottle was eavesdropping. The Salanda is being brought into the Malazan fleet. Gessler and Stormy plan to remain on the ship and take it as their own. Admiral Noct reflects on how the army has changed, and Tavor speaks about the birth and growth of her army. Keneb says that Tavor belongs to the 14th now, and Tavor's face is troubled. The 14th have a new sigil of a burning city, a sloped wall, and a mass of skulls. The sigil is spreading throughout the army. Bottle eavesdrops on Fiddler. He talks about the deck of dragons and Tavor. Later, when Bottle is confronted about this, he feigns ignorance. Kalam, in the ropes of the ship, sees an eater fleet, trapping them in a pincer formation. Fiddler and Bottle can both feel the eater's sorcery. 
Samar Dev watches warlocks begin conjuring. Karsa warns Hanradi Kailag that if they provoke the Malazans, the Empire will come after them. Quick says the magic is from holds and shot through with chaos. Tavor asks him to try and defend the fleet. Her sword may only be able to defend their own ship. Bottle feels Quick Ben's magic and wants to help. He then starts to feel the power of the aerosol. Quick Ben starts floating off the deck, channeling powerful magic. The different magics meet each other over the sea, imploding and collapsing. The Eater retreat, surprised. Their mages declare that the Malazans must have a Sita. Kalam speaks with Quickben. Quick says his magic was just an illusion, but something came and helped him. He doesn't know what. Bottle is helped up by Fiddler. Bottle complains that she plays with him. Taralak Veed watches as the fleets begin to merge. He hears that amongst the Malazan fleet is a ship that used to belong to one of the Sengar's sons. And so Tomad mourns the loss, and the seeds of hatred for the Malazans are planted. Veed speaks of the many accomplishments of the Malazan and begins speaking of the Andy with Alrada on. Masan Galani is happy to be with the Bone Hunters and happy to have Quickben amongst them. Sin rests with her along with other children. The Ashok Regiment have joined the Bone Hunters, Masangalani too. They will sew the new sigil onto their cloaks. Nil and Nether discuss Bottle, the Aerosol, and whether they should tell the adjunct. Absalar speaks with Squint, the archer that killed Coltane. They speak of the Gardens of the Moon and love. Absalar reflects on Crocus and her lost love. Squint says love is too rare, and if they can talk again, they should. Squint leaves, and soon Cotillion joins Absalar. Together, they speak about the fate of Cutter, Solara, Felicin Younger, and Haboric. They speak about the crippled god and cycles of justice. Absalar weeps about this, and Cotillion promises to find Cutter. So, Josh? Chapter 18 starts, and now we're on the ocean again, but this time we're in the Malazan fleet, and we hear about how the Salanda has been brought in, we hear about the plans for Gessler and Stormer to be on the ship, and then we hear, uh, we, we see Tavor, and we just kind of check in with the 14th as they're also donning this new sigil. So what did you, what, what did you take away from some of these early establishing scenes here? Uh, I thought it was really interesting that, well, and, and smart book writing to split up all the characters across the two boats mm. uh, so that we can actually get to, you know, have some POV characters along with Tavor, which was necessary. I, I feel like in a way it's some of the most Tavor we've seen it so oh, far. For sure. We have not. And, and the most we've seen of her like speaking mm-hmm. and like reacting to stuff. We don't often see her reactions. So thought it was cool. Love bottle still just being the eavesdropper dude, and uh, I, I don't know. I thought it was really fun. Uh, 
The Salanda is such a cool boat, and I'm really... I cannot believe that it's a weird thing we thought would never come up again in book two is five, four books later still here in an integral part to the fucking series at this point. Yeah, and it's like becomes this thing that Tomad sees and it's like has yeah, this yeah, effect yeah. on Tomad. Well, and now that, and see that, that, there we go. That was the time skip. That's where I knew there must be a bigger time skip than we realized because Karsa killed those guys in book two. Book, uh, sorry, four. sorry, book four, which happened before four, book two. Book two, yes. Yeah. So there's been a big, and I guess that's probably Benatus who was on that boat, was probably the guy using the magic and uh, it didn't work on Carson because he's, you know, fused with Ototaril, yeah. which no one seems to get still. I don't know how. <laughs> anyway, anytime magic bounces off of him, they're like, it's like he's covered in something. Maybe the substance that stops magic. Anyway, so I thought that was all really cool and some cool world building stuff. And the sigil's awesome. I, I think that's, I, it's good they finally have something. Yeah. Um, they're, they're the bone hunters now. They're their own. They're thing. the bone hunters now in truth, I also not just in name or whatever the fuck they said. I love that it was just like, oh yeah, to Amber's like can, uh, an apprentice jeweler. So we just we just had them make yeah, one. That was they had weird. them make something up. Still saying to Amber's not real. <laughs> Some weird bullshit. To Amber, it's gonna be something. Else. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, I always feel like to Amber exemplifies the type of person that history would erase as like a lesbian relationship and just be like, well, Tavor had a friend that she enjoyed spending all <laughs> yeah, her yeah, time yeah. with. They know? slept in the same tent and they always hung out and she went to her in times of need. Yeah. Good friends. <laughs> Good friends. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And then they talk about... Uh, yeah. So, Inge, what did you make? I, I I wanted to touch more on this Tavor thing. I really agree with Josh. It's I, I mean, I brought it up, but I, I don't know. I agree with myself, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> don't you think it's like the most we see of Tavor in like the whole series so far? Yeah, definitely. And to be honest, the more that we see Tavor, the less interesting she actually seems. <laughs> really? Does nobody agree? I just feel like Hmm. I'm only be I'm only learning things that I'm just not feeling super great about. Like hmm. I don't know. I was gonna say I don't know if she's less interesting, but she gets she's definitely more human the more yeah, we think, hang out with her. Yeah. Which is interesting. I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. The more the more words she says with her face, the mm -hmm. more it seems like she's just like the rest of the Empire people. Right, but that that's what I mean by less interesting. Yeah. Like she there's no big secret. It's yeah, there's it's like, not a mystery. She's not like some sort of like expert tech. I mean, maybe she is, but like she's also just like just a lady. She's just you like know? you and me. Yeah. She's <laughs> like a person on a boat. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I, I do think later on in this or the next chapter when they face that magic wall, she's like pretty just like, well, all right. She's like pretty cool and collected yeah. under pressure, which I think is still very, very cool. But so that actually happens this chapter, Odd. Mm, so okay. uh, I won't. We won't go through it beat by beat. But there's kind of a magic, uh, you know, clash. You know, the Eater Warlocks are going to try and destroy the ships. Uh, Quick Ben responds with this illusion, and then mm -hmm. the Aerosol, uh, like Bottle, wants to help Quick Ben, and then the Aerosol influences Bottle, and um, then there's kind of the whole thing clashes and explodes and deescalates in a way. Mm -hmm. That was a weird scene. That was a weird oh, fucking scene. Oh, yeah. I loved it. I, I was <laughs> I mean, fully we go, on we, like... We gotta talk about the thing, though. We have to talk about it. It's <laughs> the only thing I care about in the whole scene. That was just so fucking weird. Why does she have to jerk him off every Why? time she uses his magic? Ew, it was 
so awkward. <laughs> it was like, he's excited. I was like, ah. And it's, uh, well, at first I thought he had like pissed himself. And then I was like, oh, oh no. He came in his pants. What he came we, in his like, fucking pants. What's, I know the aerosol <laughs> is like the primitive race, but can, can we not? Can we not though? I Yeah, I hated that, honestly. I didn't get it. I don't understand why. I don't understand why. It's just one of those things. I don't get why it had to happen. What did it add to the story other than to make me feel extremely uncomfortable? Yeah. Anyway. I don't know. (laughs) Me and Steve are going to have to talk about that because I feel I did not like it. It was strange. What was the inspiration for it, Steve? I got to know. I mean, probably proto proto human, right? But I don't, I don't know. <laughs> of all the, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. It felt, it felt weird. And I, I don't think it'll ever be like a, I don't think it'll ever be like a thing. It's like, here's why this needed to happen. I think it's just going to be a thing that's going to keep happening. And we're going to have to deal with it. Do you feel like it's mm. played for laughs? I, uh, that's what got me. I don't, the guy was like, I don't, I, I can't, I don't know if it is or not. I don't know if it's, if it's meant to be funny. I really don't like it. If it's not meant mm. to be funny, it's being written like it may be. No, it I think weird. it's just like. I, I think it is exactly how we are feeling right now. It's just like we're uncomfortable by it and we don't know how to feel. Yeah. So we're like, this must be a joke, but I don't know. I don't think it is a joke. I just think it is a thing that is happening and that we kind of need to just deal with because it is happening. I agree, AJ. I agree. Any, well, I mean, and I guess that's not the most interesting part because honestly, what? so if I am, so I just want to go through what I understood and then we can just correct or, or you know, go from there. Hmm. So my understanding was that Quick Ben was gonna do some shit, but I think it was always just going to be like kind of a front. Yeah. Yeah. And then something actually happened and it's because whatever jerked off bottle did it. Yes. It's a hundred percent. Yeah. It was going to be an illusion. And then, and then all of a sudden it wasn't. (laughs) And then going a little bit further, then nil and nether just, I'm sorry to, to take it here, but this is, I need to complete my package. So then Nil and Nether are like, we know that something went in Bottle. Nether has a crush on Bottle. And we're not and if Quick Ben pretends that Quick Ben did this, then we'll make next steps. But if Quick Ben doesn't pretend that he did this, then we'll like know what to do next. Type thing. Is that so Nil and Nether are in the know just because they are, correct? But no one else knows what happened. I think that it wasn't so. actually Quick Ben. Yes. Well, I think yeah, Quick yeah, Ben yeah. knows something happened. I don't know if he knows exactly that it was bottled. No, like Quick, yeah. Quick Ben was like, bro, that wasn't me. Yeah. 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 But doesn't know that it was bottled. I don't know what if he doesn't know. What the fuck is up with bottle? Am I right? I guess. Bottle's crazy. I guess maybe. Honestly, I really don't know. I really don't know. Here's me reaching. I'm not a huge fan. I it, maybe it has something to do with like the pat. This god is like violating him in a bodily way and like a power way. And so like it's yeah. So it's like this god's also violating him in this way. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's but, confusing. Yeah, it's I don't know. Well, moving right along. I, I mean, aside from that, I think the whole scenes sequence is really cool, and I yeah. love, it was sick. 
I love when they're like the Malazans have a Sita. It's like fucking play some electric guitar, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I yeah. like that too. That was fun. That was fun. I loved Samar at the end too. She was like, ha ha. Yeah. She's very. She yeah. made it really yeah. big yeah, for yeah. me. Really exciting. It's really good. I do just want to. We we kind of we skipped over it a, a, a bit, but I do just want to address that Fiddler has a new deck of dragons that has a new house in it. That to Amber made. Yeah. What? Like, what the fuck is up with to Amber? She's just like, Tavor's good friend. She's <laughs> Tavor's good friend who is an amateur duelist and also an artist who happens to have intimate knowledge of the deck of dragons. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Um, what's what's weird about that? Everything. We've never even seen her. Who yeah. is she? We saw her like once briefly or something, but we like, but like the readers didn't like, like a character was like, and there's to Amber. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to um, describe, they're going to describe her. And it's just going to be Anamanda Rake. It's like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> to Amber, her lover, he, she, eight foot tall, with flowing white hair and a giant sword. She always wears a black dragon mask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, uh, we mentioned it before. Tomad Sengar appears to be having a bad time, and it blames the Malazans for the losses of his sons. Bad fathers always blame others, so classic. Damn, bro. Taking no prisoners. <laughs> no prisoners, unlike these eater. Um, nice. Well, uh, we, I, I think I heard you guys talking about this before I got on the mic. Uh, the Masan Galani stuff. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I felt uncomfortable. You know, there was a lot of nipple sucking talk in this section of the book. And a lot of nipple fondling. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you mean a lot, you mean the two paragraphs that it happened, then yeah. That I guess. was yeah, but enough, both, AJ. That was that enough. Was enough. <laughs> AJ, one of them had milk and the other was this. And oh, both right, were right, not right. good. Oh, right, right, right. The Solara stuff. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. Also, so that's just nipples. a natural. Stop being gross, Josh. That's just a natural human body function. Okay, women make milk when they have uh, babies. Okay, women make milk, baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <coughs> One day, guys, yeah. I can make milk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what a power. All right, that, One day. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe in you, Inge. I believe power in you. Power moves over. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, stunning but, on us over here. Yeah. <laughs> Mel but, the milkless losers. <laughs> yep. Yep. Pete, was there a specific reason you wanted to bring that up or just because you heard us talking about it? I just heard you guys talking about it. But um, yeah. they've all uh, they've all joined and they're kind of just coloring in kind of more of the forces that actually comprise the bone hunters that are now bone hunters and truth, you know, mm. mm -hmm. but not bone hunters and truth, you no. know, <laughs> God damn it. Sorry. Inge mentioned the Nil and Nether stuff, mm -hmm. the Crush stuff, and then uh, their discussion about whether to tell the adjunct about the aerosol. Um, but what I really wanted to get to is this last conversation, because there's two different conversations, and I want to talk about both of them. So, first... Oh, real quick. So, can I interrupt, because you said Nil and Nether. I'm sorry. Can I, uh, sure. can I pop in? Who is it that Nil or Nether? I forget which one's which. The, the girl one? Who they have a crush on? Bottle. Is it they have, do they have a crush on Bottle? I couldn't tell if it was Bottle or if it was the aerosol itself. I was really confused. But one of them's got a crush on someone. I thought it was other... Bottle and they were mad because she was mad that she, that the, the aerosol got to jerk off Bottle. And she was like, 
But it maybe wasn't that's, my hand. But I think that was. I think you might be I right. Think I think you're right. It was, but I remember. I remember thinking like I loved it. I thought it was very funny. I thought uh, it was we funny have, too. Nil and Nether are just like so random. So like I just feel like they're there just to like move us along sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, they're like one of the only voices that we get that like kind of know what's going on. Yeah, you know, and they've been around for a while. We've known Nil and Nether since what? Book two. Book two. two. Yeah. Love them. Reborn child We've really grown up with Nil and Nether, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, what I was going to say is I wanted to get to this, these final two conversations Absalar has, and first person she speaks Mm. to is the archer that killed Coltane, Squint. Yeah. Uh, Yes. And they- Until she said it. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Until she said it, I could not remember. She kind of talks about maybe the loss of innocence and the loss of love. And uh, Squint uh, is like, life's short, you know? So, mm-hmm. AJ, what did you make of this conversation? Uh, I thought it was nice. I really, like, I, I was like, okay, this is an interesting conversation. Maybe they'll be friends. But then at the end of the section, when they were both, like, ex- like when we got there in their head thoughts, where they were like, I can't believe I just talked to the person who killed Cotillion. Or, like, uh, Coltane. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I just talked to the person that was possessed by Cotillion. Like, I don't know. I thought it was just very nice that they were both able to kind of be normal people but also they were you know s- still doing spy stuff or whatever i don't know i liked it uh, i liked it too yeah um i wrote that they I were friends i also really liked it josh did you really like it i was ambivalent what was your other emotion no i liked it i was just trying to be divisive oh i was I... trying to add some tension to the show <laughs> some t- yeah there's not enough tension in this show ever um i do really like that when absalar uh you know, reveals that she knows who Squint was. Uh, she says he did the right thing, taking Coltane's life, but he's the only one who can't live with that. Uh, yeah. Which I thought was really, really sad um, because it seems like Squint has like, you know, made himself this person that's like not connected to anybody or does his best to like stay away from everyone just because he thinks everyone hates him. But in reality, it's just because he doesn't like the thing he had to do. It's almost like there's like a parallel with Absalar. So it's like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like she's never done something like that. So close one. <laughs> almost like that. Oh, yikes. <laughs> that was a good one, PB. And also shout out to Gardens of the Moon. You know, it's like she said the title of the book, you know. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then this section ends with uh, there were clouds closed fast around the moon and one by one gardens died. Yeah. Like, fuck. Man, you don't you don't love to say it. (sighs) Nope. And then I didn't I was just like, wow, that's that's some imagery. And then the fucking moon falls the next chapter. (laughs) Yeah. Yikes. Foreshadowing. Then Inge, what's that? Who's that shows up? It's uh, Cotillion, the rope. And oh they have gosh. a big conversation about what happened with the whole other crew, the crippled god, Justice, Absalar is pretty hard on herself. What'd you, uh, and what'd it you... ends in a nice hug. Yeah, what'd you make of this talk? Um, It was fine. I was. It was good. I liked it. In theory, I enjoyed it. But, but... it's just like, I don't understand. Like, I don't know. Like, is Cotillion like a cool guy or is he an asshole like I, it's just so annoying mm-hmm. and confusing because he really ruined Absalar's life when you think about it mm-hmm. and now 100% literally she, mm-hmm. she was a fisherman's daughter she was gonna live a very normal life well at this point she'd um, probably be probably killed yeah they I think they did actually end up killing her whole yeah uh, whole shit yeah, yeah. anyway but Shadow Throne and Cotillion did did all the, yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. killing 
Right. No. <laughs> they did do that. So regardless, so whichever way you turn it, it is their fault. So that conversation where I'm like, oh, so nice that they're able that first of all, he's coming here to be like, yeah, Crocus is probably dead. Scolar is alive, had a baby and gave it away. But Crocus, uh, he might be alive. I'll go find out for you. I'm going to take care of this for you. And it's like, and she's like, oh, hugs, crying, weeping. And it's like, it's, to me, it's just like, fuck, man. Like, no, you asshole, fuck off. <laughs> but also I can understand like the tenderness of the moment because Absalar obviously is, you know, the people that she's with are like, don't trust her for shit for mm-hmm. something that really wasn't even in her control. And now she's shady, but like, of course she's shady. So it's very isolating. And the only person that she can like turn to is the person who ruined her life. Yeah, as I say, I think Cotillion feels bad for ruining her life, but also he's inadvertently made his only friend. <laughs> like yeah. out of out of sheer convenience. It's literal like grooming. Like yeah, it's it is, so bad. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I yeah. somewhat agree with the take and I don't Ooh, love no, it. No, I'm 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 ooing because I agree and don't no, love it. Yeah, you said that and that wrecked my uh, that that opened my whole mind. I've I've seen yeah. the fifth dimension. Thank you. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> but also, could you do this favor for me? And then, like, well, don't worry about it. But we're, there's, you don't need to. But, like, could you do this thing for me? You know? You really have no other purpose to live. So why don't you just do favors for me now? You're welcome. Because it also it comes up, like, often, like, they keep mentioning, like, oh, well, it seems like she wants to die. <laughs> like, she's yeah. trying to die. And yeah. it's like, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, Apslar's having a pretty bad time. I feel yeah. like mm-hmm. it's, <laughs> it's a tough it's, one out here. Doesn't I feel, feel good. Yeah, so that's how I felt about that scene. Um, still, you know, that's it. That's really it. That's all I have. Josh, nice. what'd you take away from these two conversations at the end of the chapter? Well, I, I mean, I would say essentially uh, nothing new from what everyone else said. So <laughs> I feel like we had a good discussion on it. We can move on. Yeah, I really is bad. I, <laughs> I just really love the uh, the little justice paragraph that Absalar has um like a sword that kills its maker justice comes in cycles uh or there is cycles to justice and then just talks about how like dragnipur and draconis mm, like the sword that kills its maker yeah mm-hmm. yeah just all all of that stuff it's like you know we all have intentions but they don't really matter <laughs> or they're they'll get turned into something else i don't know i just thought it was good so thank you <laughs> I thought both conversations were good. I love how the chapter ends. I mean, it makes me feel really bad. Yeah. But um, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> but like in a good way, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, if that makes any sense. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been very sad. So, <laughs> ditto. You know. <laughs> Sorry to hear that, bud. Anyways, <laughs> let's uh, let's keep it rolling. Chapter 19 Barathal can hear Solara and Cutter having sex. Later, Barathal and Solara talk together about it. Cutter thinks the moon is looking funny, and Barathal thinks something could have hit it. In a nearby village, they find a boat and some supplies. They speak together and eventually set sail towards the Otateral Island. Onrak speaks with Trull about what it means to be broken. He fights with his newly found emotions. He still plans to challenge the leader of the Tist Eater. 
He is tired of watching his friends die and will soon fight with anger. Pearl waits for Banishar, and the two speak. They speak of Tatrin and Banishar's message for the High Mage. They talk of the cult of Drek's slaughter. The goddess killed her followers for choosing the crippled god and demanding the power of blood. Banishar thinks Tatrin's knowledge will help. Pearl thinks soon that the gods will betray their followers and all other mortals. Pearl says Lacine will soon come to the city. Mappo watches Lady Spite speak with the spirits. The ship is crewed by Andy ghosts. Spite then speaks with Mappo about male, the convergence of all things, and if Mappo can stop Icarium. Terlek Vid tells Icarium soon that the Eater will test him. Icarium doesn't understand why. Then they speak about peace by the sword. Bottle speaks with Fiddler about the aerosol and the sorcery of the Eater. Quickben and Kalam speak about the adjunct. They agree she knows more than she's letting on. Then they speak about seven cities and whether they've won. The Malazan fleet arrives to the island of Sepik. It is the site of a slaughter by the Eater. Tavor goes off to find Quickben. Absalar speaks about how the Eater are going home, and Keneb speaks with Nil and Nether. Cutter says that Sepik belongs to the Empire, and that what the Eater have done is an act of war against the Malazans. Bottle is worried where the aerosol is taking the fleet, and thinks that some allies you don't want. Josh, Scalara, what, 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 what's up? Like, what do you? What's your take? What do you think, bro? What's going on with these? What's going on with these crazy cats? I think sometimes people need a good fuck, and I think Solara is really good at knowing those moments and understanding that sometimes, <laughs> sometimes that's what someone needs. Hmm. And in hmm. this case, it worked out. Now, do I think that's a great long-term choice? Now, how do you no. th- how do you think Crocus is going to handle that? <laughs> yeah, our soft lad. Uh, uh, I mean, now, Josh, remember that he did fall in love with a girl because he stole one of her wines. I was wine gonna no, I was, I was gonna say I was gonna say he's gonna. I don't. It's tough because I feel like the Crocus now is definitely so different from Book One Crocus. Yeah, with, you know, d- you know, uh, Chalice to Aural. So I'm hoping he's like, no, he's a soft boy. He's going to fall in love with her. I'm I'm trying to kid myself. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. The milk thing still was weird to me. I think he shouldn't have said it. I agree. Yeah, I think it killed the mood. I just wonder if that's like a thing that people do. For sure. You know there are people that are into that, India. Deep down. You know it. Definitely, Inge. I think both in a sex way and in a not sex way. Oh, but you know, getting away from the gross shit, yeah. beautiful moment when Cutter's like, asks about, you don't even have a name in your head. And Solara's like, if I have a name in my head, I have to go back and get it. Yeah. I was like, so she does care. She is just forcing herself not to. And I was like, that that is some solid one sentence characterization. Thank <laughs> you, Steve. 
Loved it. Yeah. This episode's all over the place. We're just... Yeah. <laughs> I think it's very good. Not in a bad way. It's just like I'm just acknowledging... Um, I agree. In a good way, though. I like talking very going. Talking very seriously about Bottle... Plugging Rick and Morty, you know, just a lot of different tones on the show today. Now, now here's a question, Pete, for you. Why was this? Uh, why was this village empty? I didn't fully understand. Was it because they had run from the plague? But the plague's over now. The Tano Spirit Walkers cured it. If that's fucking true at all. Um, I, I, I guess for the same reason that probably had to do with the plague. That was my thought. Okay, gotcha. Um, yeah. How lucky that it was a port town and there were lots of boats available. <laughs> well, Josh, you um, see, this is a book. And people need to yeah, be able to get to their next destination to do things. Whatever. All right. Fine. So at this point, the moon has not yet started to go all topsy-turvy, but they're, everyone's yeah. looking at the moon and throughout this chapter are like, huh, the moon looks weird. <laughs> moon's looking um, pretty weird. Moon's looking pretty weird. Now, is the moon always visible in the day in the world of Malazan? <laughs> you know, I didn't think about that. Like, is are all are all of these scenes dusk? Yeah, I had that thought a lot during these chapters because it's not off. I mean, I get it. I guess I'm never like love that sun today. Beautiful boy up there. <laughs> so I guess if the moon was always hanging in the sky, I would kind of just like let it be. Well, Josh, so, you make a great point. I often look up to the stars and moon and wonder at their beauty. Never do I look at the sun and think, what a great sun. <laughs> yeah. Um, Christ. All right. There's probably other reasons for that, though, like the blind stuff. So Onrak talks about his life now that he's he's got all yeah. these emotions. Ugh, um, human emotions. Yeah. He's Ugh. got these feels. And he's going to fight with anger. Uh, oh, that honestly chilling. Because yeah. what the does fact, that mean? Like, so, like, the Talani Mass, India, like, they are so emotional. Like, everything they do, it's it, it lacks any emotion. Yeah, there's a lot of times when they speak, it's like they say in a monotone way or something. Like, yeah, everything and is so, very... like, that, that extends to their fighting. Like, when they fight, they're not anger. They're angered. They're not fighting for survival. They are just fighting because in that moment, that is what they are doing. And so he's implying that, like, in this next battle, he will be fighting for a reason, which implies that he's going to just, like, kill countless people. So. Was that, um, just a quick question, do you remember in the book with Lady Envy and she had those people that constantly tried to attack? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the Segula. Segula. That was Segula. funny. Yes. Remember, it would just randomly attack him. And <laughs> I loved the Segula so good. That was so good. I'm sorry to bring that back. We that keep, just reminded me well, of Onrek. We keep getting these. We keep getting these little like maybe Lady Envy will be there, and so I'm just like like from from spite, and I'm like, man, all I want is for her to be back. I loved her so much. She was great. Yeah. I want her and my Segula boys. Yeah. literally here. Anyway, I digress. Sorry. Maybe it's just because I connect her with talk in my head and I just want my boy talk back. I don't know. I love talk. Hey, man, we got some we got some winners of wolves. Yeah, we got some talk and Fanderay talk. But that's later. So like but this whole battle is like gearing up to be like them. And that's like the crippled gods team. And then the us. And so like at some point, maybe in the next episode, guys, I really think that we need that you well for me. We need to break down who's on their side and who's on the other side. Because I think India, tr India, truly, we don't know. 
That is that is the crux of the problem right now, is we don't fully understand what the sides are. There might be 15 sides. They might all fall under save, burn, and kill the planet, but then within save, burn, there's like so many people vying for their own ulterior motives. I really don't think we know yet. Hmm. Yeah, Josh Josh is mostly on point. I mean, there's uh, the, what exactly the shape of war of the gods even means right is like kind of i think something perrin and people like quickpan are sussing out actively throughout this book yeah the thing is i need to know sure <laughs> so sure i mean there's sure. a surefire way to find that out and that's to just keep reading the books google if oh, only there were more books wow yeah if i mean only. i think in, the, in this la- in this last section i think some shit's gonna happen yeah but and we'll mm. we'll learn some things but i i don't know um, so we return to Banashar for another section with him, and he speaks more about trying to reach the High Mage. We learn, this is the part where we learn about why the Cult of Drek was slaughtered. Yeah. And then he speaks with Pearl, who speaks about gods betraying not only their followers, but all mortals, and that the Empress Lysine will soon come to Malaz City itself. Yeah. Josh, why do you think the Empress is coming? Well, Pete, I would expect it's because there's so much bad shit happening in this city. Mm. So she's... <laughs> and that was Josh Baker live on the scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. I could list stuff. We've got Malik Rel and Corbelo Dom. We've got mobs killing Wiccans in the street. There's lots of rain, apparently. Um, so I expect she's going to come try and fix some of that. It is a rainy city. Yeah. Or maybe they just sink it. Start over. <laughs> You know, fresh, the whole fresh the whole aisle that our, our empire's named after, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you sometimes you gotta kill your ghosts. <laughs> Damn, dude. <sighs> so uh <laughs> Mappo uh-huh. speaks with Spite, Inge, and uh they speak about mail and whether Mappo can stop Ikarium. So Inge uh what what do you think of the time Mappo's spending on Spite's ship? You know, we're kind of learning more about Spite as a character. What do you make of her? I just feel like you can never be sure until, like, Steve makes it obvious for, for me if somebody is, like, doing something good or if somebody is doing something, like, secretly bad. And that's how I feel about Spite. Not only because Spite's name is Spite, but because, like... Also, just like who Spite is, like the like, just, they're just like you know the people that are like the highest up. I'm just like I don't know if I trust you. So, what is Spite's like reason for even being involved in this? I still don't get. Yeah, so I don't, mm. what? I don't think we know. Yeah. So that's the thing. It's like I don't know how to feel about Spite because I'm not sure what the motive is behind anything that she's doing. Mm. Do I like knowing more about? A strong female character? Of course I do. But her as for her actual motives, I'm in the dark. Do yeah. I think Mappo can stop Akarium? No. Akarium mm. has no fucking idea who Mappo is in this moment. <laughs> I do hear you. It is like when you don't know what someone's up to, It's you get pretty suspicious about it, you know? Yeah. Especially when also she's like working with the nameless ones and junk, you know? Mm-hmm. AJ, Tarlac Veed is talking to Akarim about bringing peace by the sword. You know, classic yeah. kill someone and then there's less murder in the world. Right. 
Right. Um, if I'm the only one, do, if I'm murdering all the bad people, then there will be only good people left. That's some classic, yes. classic dumbass tyrant logic. Who, who are you bad know? people? Well, the ones that I think all are the, bad. All the side of the bad people are. I'll right. kill them, and then there'll be no violence. Right. Da-da. Yeah. Well, no, I will kill them with my <laughs> iron giant person. Um, like, that was all I could think at the end of the section is, like, uh, Icarium is just the iron giant. Like, I, I don't know if y'all have a good memory of that movie but there is a straight up part where the iron giant says i'm not a gun uh yeah and <laughs> just like the government is just trying to turn him into a gun so in this case icarium is the iron giant and tarlac veed is the government <laughs> but have you considered that if the iron giant just killed the right people mm. that then there would be no more <laughs> violence yeah you know yeah there is i have thought of that <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's pretty much what I thought. It's extremely stupid, um, and I can't wait for it to backfire on him because fuck Tarlac Feed. Yeah, yeah. I, I still love reading Tarlac Feed's yeah. point of view. It is. It's I, a yeah, great. It's yeah. a great point of view. It's it's a great uh, literature. But <laughs> fuck this dude. Yeah. Does anyone have anything to say about this bottle scene? I just feel bad for him, to be honest. So it just. Yeah, he's yeah. just sad. I mean, not sad. Just like kind of confused. All right, Josh, then let's talk about an awesome fucking scene where Quick Ben and Kalam and, are talking and they're like, did we win at Seven Cities? Did like, mm -hmm. was this whole thing worth it? Did we come away with the W? You know, and it's like, what was the point of books two and four for them? You know, I love as the series go on, how quick Ben and Kalam, who in books one and two are unassailable figures of doom are slowly and surely, but surely they're like, they've reached, you know, like in corporations, you reach your incompetence level hmm. and you keep getting promoted because you're good until you hit the level you're not good anymore. And you kind of just stuck there. It feels like they've hit that level, but then they still got promoted a couple times and they're like, fuck, man, we keep kind of just doing the right thing. But it's always on accident and mm -hmm. we're never confident about it. And now we are in some shit like Quickman is literally hiding under the ship yeah. because he doesn't want to be up top. Yeah. It's so funny. I love all of it. I love um, when Tavor is like, hey, can you use some magic to find Quickman? And Absolar's just like, <laughs> he's just in the basement. Like he's just yeah, under. He's, he's hiding. <laughs> it's so good. Um, I love when Kalam's like, I've never trusted you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, it's, it's so good. Everything, all of their interactions are incredible, but, uh, I, I think their conversation is really, really poignant. Like, I have felt that way as, as soon as we saw the whole young Fellison becoming the new Shaikh, that was my very first thought was like, well, what the fuck have we been doing here? I, I think it's great. I love that they are not these two. I mean, it makes sense. They're from seven cities. Yes, they've been Malazans for a while, but I, I think it's good to see that they understand that like, you know, that what they're doing should have consequence or sorry it, it should mm, i don't know i just think it's good that they're so reflective i guess is the way i should put it um and uh love them love them to death and i love how they are boys in the, this whole chapter and next chapter they do not leave each other's side yeah which is so funny yeah yeah i don't know i mean i think it's a really interesting conversation um what'd you think aj i i, I like how Quick Ben and Kalam are finally catching on to like the, the the crippled gods MO of just like, it doesn't matter. Everything's for me. Uh, like Dryjana never belonged to the crippled god nor Palil. And then he's uh, cut off says hardly matters. It ended up serving them both or it's ended up serving them both, hasn't it? And like, yeah, <laughs> every everything shitty that happens, no matter how hard you try, is in the end probably going to serve the crippled god. Like, 
just a really interesting, I guess, realization from them. Because, like, I don't know, I feel like that's something I've been saying ever since, you know, book two or three or whatever. It's like, hey, it's chaos, baby. It's do whatever you want. Mm. And I think they're finally catching on of like, oh, shit. Like, I don't know if there's anything that we can really do about this. But, you know, I just love I, I the dynamic that Josh is talking about of just like two guys who have been promoted to incompetence. Um, it's just like really good seeing them kind of being like, fuck, 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 fuck. Uh, I liked it. Mm-hmm. Nice stuff. Yeah, so the fleet arrives at the Isle of Sepik, and they see that the Eater have slaughtered many of the people, and then they're going to talk to Quick Ben. So I just w- wonder, Inge, if you had any closing thoughts to put a pin in this chapter or, or any of the stuff we kind of got over. Mostly when I think about that part, the only <clears throat> thing I was hoping is that Absalar and Crocus will um, meet again mm-hmm. in Sep- Sepik, Septic. Sepic. Sepic. Septic. That's funny. I don't know where Crocus is, but I want him to come back. Anyway, um, I didn't really understand why. I don't understand why the Eater are just going around and like, why did they kill everyone in Sepic? Because they had Eater slaves and those are the Eater slaves that are actually crewing the boat that uh, either I think Carsa is on. Pretty sure. That's what or I, yeah. I I knew that, one they, the, that they that they had the, the, the eater people there, but I just didn't know. Yeah, they had eater slaves, and apparently they've been slaves for so long they like don't have any of the connection to Shadow anymore or whatever the fuck. So they were very upset. So they killed everybody. <laughs> this is true. Um, do you think that my and then one last thing is well, I don't really know because the way that they keep talking about male, aka bug, it yeah. seems like like I wonder where how many years has it been since like will. I just wonder what's going to come next. This, this, the end of this chapter left me curious for what's next. Hungry for more. (sighs) Hungry for more. Well, let's get into it and talk about chapter 20 then. Chapter 20. High Fist Perrin marches with his army and thinks about the Daragoth and if it was a mistake to release them. Sweet Crack is complaining about Perrin when she sees strings of suns in the sky. Noto Boyle tells Perrin about the sky and wonders about it. Perrin goes to see if his deck of dragons is finished being painted and wonders if the falling sky has to do with the war among gods. Pust and Mappo watch the sky light up. Flames weather in jade. Spite turns into a dragon and pulls the ship away. Fiddler and Bottle watch the sky. He thinks Quickben should flee. Helene is drunk, gets another drink from Nock, and then goes below deck. Tavor speaks to Absalar about the falling sky and faith in those with vision. Ormulgan has not finished the deck, however, Perrin, hoping to summon Mail, instead summons Hood. Perrin speaks with the god and they make a bargain. Then Hood tells Perrin the one thing he wants more than anything else. And Perrin agrees to give it to him. Stone streak down from the sky and destroy the boat with Cutter. Haboric's body falls off the deck. Barathal, Scalara, and Cutter are tossed into the water soon after. A dragon is spotted above them. Haboric awakes. 
He hears voices screaming, the voices in jade giants. He thinks he is a shield anvil and tells these voices to come for his hands. Barathal finds Chower with green light. Scalara then spots the Otateral Isle. It is surrounded by a green dome. Jade hands lifting up, supporting the dome. The fire and the sky start to converge and fall upon it. The dragon lifts them up out of the water. Haboric reaches out to the voices. Spite places them on her ship. Barathal then climbs aboard out of the ocean with Chower. Spite then lands and returns to her human form. Cutter hears about Haboric's body, and he says Haboric saved them. Mappo then admits to Cutter that he lost Akarium and cries. Spite feels bad for Mappo, but it was the Nameless One's plan. She then hopes Akarium encounters her sister, Lady Envy. Perrin returns to the group. Kenneb thinks about their inevitable death. Then he thinks of the Nephil, the people native to the lands nearby. The Nephil had conquered the Trell, and Kenneb wonders if they also conquered the Parish. Quickben speaks with Kalam about Perrin, Hood, and Tavor. Quickben says something is amongst the fleet, and he has set a trap for it. Tenai Baralta thinks on Tavor and feels betrayed. Then the jagged Gethel, the herald of the House of Chains, comes to him. He says that the fist is broke and discarded. He offers an alliance with the crippled god. Gethel tells him to wait, and that soon he and his red blades will be needed. Lestara hears Tene talking and thinks about what Cotillion told her. The Grey Helms of Parish approach the Malazan fleet. Adorned with wolf imagery, they speak about their encounters with the Eater and then say Tavor waits with the end of the world. And then they pledge their allegiance to the Adjunct. They fight in the name of Tog and Fandere. Quickben then makes some connections about the Grey Helm and runs to speak to Adjunct Tavor. Before we even get into this discussion, AJ, you mentioned that you really loved the epigraph from this chapter, and not to detach from me and Josh's amazing epigraph (laughs) miniseries, but let's bring that energy onto the main show for a sec. That's a plug. Now, uh, read it for me. I completely forget it. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, So uh, this is an epigraph from the the mortal sword Brickalion of the Grey Swords. Discipline is the greatest weapon against the self-righteous. We must measure the virtue of our own controlled response when answering the atrocities of fanatics. And yet let it not be claimed in our own oratory of piety that we are without our own fanatics. For the self-righteous breed wherever tradition holds, and most often when there exists the perception that tradition is under assault. Fanatics can be created as easily in an environment of moral decay, whether real or imagined, as in an environment of legitimate inequity or under the banner of a common cause. Discipline is as much facing the enemy within as the enemy before you. 
For without critical judgment, the weapon you wield delivers, and let us not be coy here, naught but murder. And its first victim is the moral probity of your cause. I just thought is real good. Just just a good um, in, in context, not fully sure why it's here, but um, I love Berkelian uh, in Memories of Ice. I think he uh, lives what he preaches in this epigraph. And I just think this is a, a good epigraph about not holding your own beliefs uh, as the only truth and, and being able to do uh, self introspection and stuff. I do get you, and I don't really know why it's in front of this chapter. Y- right, yeah. <laughs> well, because we meet, we have some, we have some mortal sword and some shield able talk. Yeah, you think that's that's why? Yeah, I think that's basically that's basically the thing. Is like we get, yeah, what the mortal sword's stance should be, I suppose. I I, I guess just, but like the meaning of what Brokelian is saying there, I don't feel is like is super correlated with some of the stuff in this chapter. But anyway, yeah, I agree. I just thought it was very good in yeah, and of itself. Yeah. No, it's a good vibe. So let's get into it. So high fist, Ganos Perrin is on the walk, and he's like, I don't know if releasing the Daragoth was a good idea. <laughs> and then he's ta- and then we also see Sweet Crack complaining, and Noto Boyle talks with Perrin because they all see that the sky is like lighting up. And then Perrin checks in about the deck of dragons being made. Um, Josh, what'd you make about checking in with the fledgling high fist Ganos Peran? Uh, I had, a, I, I mean, I thought it was really interesting. Um, I love Noto Boyle and Perrin's relationship, uh, and the, the little comment he makes about Noto Boyle rather like going off and talking with some shitty person rather than staying with Perrin. And he was like, huh, I wonder if I should reflect on that. And then he just doesn't. Uh, I thought it was really great. Um, the Ormal guy making uh, the deck of dragons and taking too long to mm. do it and trying it to be perfect is so on brand and good, but it's also so good that they're so bad, I think, that like Perrin grabs hood instead of mail or something weird like yeah, that. Yeah. And that's, I, I mean, that's comedy. That's comedy gold. Uh, um, I would love to have that painter always in these books. So... Let's let's just, you know, cut straight into that dialogue right now. So Inge Perrin takes this card. He's trying to speak with Mail, but ends up summoning Hood. Hood is there and is like, I want one thing in the world. And then we cut away. And then he's uh, Perrin will say what it is. I, I guess heard what it is. So uh, but re- regardless, Perrin agrees to kind of help Hood out or whatever. What do you think about this decision, and what do you think the god of death could want more than anything else? You know, it's a good question, because I don't really know. At first, I was like, how did Haboric come back? Was that? But then why? Like, why would he want Haboric to come back? Mm-hmm. So I feel like what if it, if I don't, I don't know. That's what I felt like it was, but like, <clears throat> I don't know what else it could be. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's just like another one of those situations where the gods are like, yeah, I could want this thing. And every, and then us as readers are like, why would you want this thing? And then we just will find out sometime, maybe. What if you just wanted like a nice sweater? What if what if Hood's realm is like actually really chilly and like he just wants like a nice, I, you know, I want you to make me a new hood card, but give me a sick guitar. Yes. That's all he wants. It's just a new a new House of Death card with a guitar on it. <laughs> so good. Also, also give, me, also give me a six pack. 
You didn't, didn't like that, Pete? You can't believe everything you see in the deck of dragons, you know? Yeah, that's what they say. Um, anyway, so uh, but that conversation as well happens with Hood underneath this uh, jade falling sky. And we kind of flash around to different parts of it. Uh, Fiddler and Bottle look up at the sky. Pust and uh, Mappa look up at the sky. Hellion looks up at the sky. We're seeing it all. And Tavor speaks to Absalar about this. And I don't think we've ever had a conversation with these two before, unless I'm mistaken. Nope. AJ, what, what was your impression of seeing these two talk, talking about faith and uh, people with vision? I mean, I, I just think this was interesting. In this this whole section with Tavor, this this part, and then the chapter previous, I think, um, with Tavor just mm. like talking and like being in the conversations and not just like do this thing. Okay. Like, I don't know. I thought this was very interesting. And I thought, I don't know. I just, <laughs> Absalar describes Tavor's uh, expression as philosophic uh, as she watches all the, the shit come out of the sky. Um, it, it's just, mm, I don't know. I love it. Cause it's here. I'm just going to read this section, this little, this little piece. All of our plans are conceits as if the sheer force of our wills, each of us, can somehow ensure that all else remains unchanged, awaiting naught but what we do, what we say. Just like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just like everything's kind of kind of futile. Um, ah. I, I think um, it's interesting to see her in more dialogue here. I think it's tough because I think Tavor is actually a really well-drawn character. Sure. How, however, I'm aware that, and this is why I think uh, he like describes her philosophic here, which I think I, I don't like. I don't like that writing. But I understand this struggle of like, how do you make clear that there's more going on than just like a quiet person who says nothing all the time and isn't around? <laughs> right. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because like, I understand how this feels like, oh, well, this is nobody and not a part of the story and I don't care about this character. Do you mm. know what I mean? So I think it's like a, a difficult thing because there's this, the, there are these elements of Tavor that aren't like front and center and we're like talking about all the time but obviously just having her never around or doing anything is also kind of untenable so mm. um i mean i like the scene um yeah but i get that i don't know i never saw tavor as like a nothing character like i i i feel like a lot of her personality and beliefs and stuff were expressed via like what we saw the malazans doing and stuff and how like how they were acting and whatnot i don't know and and with like the the little scenes we got of her with like pearl and whatnot like i feel like that characterization of her i don't know was enough for me but i guess i get what you're saying and like she could be really seen as like a nothing no i i agree i think she's richly drawn i don't but she is not i don't know she's not one of these other characters pick one at one you want yeah you know? that's fair she's not yeah, yeah, yeah i guess she's not as as characterized as like any of the 14th are or like, you know, yeah. she's well, more complex just... than like Smiles, who likes to throw a, a dagger. Whoa. <laughs> I can't believe you fucking do my girl Smiles dirty like that. She does. She does like to throw daggers and she's upset. <laughs> um, anyway, so 
Let's cut over to Cutter. I see what she did there. Wasn't even on purpose. <laughs> and as uh, everyone's like noticing the sky from different parts of Seven Cities, but it's when we're on the boat with Cutter Scalara, Barathol, and Chower when uh, shit really goes bad. Um, so comes just plummeting down out of the sky. Boat gets destroyed. They get thrown in the water. They end up getting rescued. Josh, what were you trying to say? At what point as Cutter would you have been like, nah, I'm out. <laughs> Because I feel like, I mean, he died, essentially. His girl left him. He's getting hit by rocks just shooting out of the sky. He's, like, drowning. I mean, like, at what point do you just stop? You know what I mean? Like, can you take, I, can you take a hint, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like the universe is, like, doing everything in its power to be, like, get back to Darugistan, you imbecile. And he just doesn't get it. Yeah. I mean, like he was just talking about Darugistan two weeks ago or something. Yeah. R.I.P. So, uh, Inge, you mentioned it. We kind of... Haboric quasi-wakes up. I don't want to make it sound like he, like, rolls up and is like, oh, Cutter, I've always appreciated you. You know? <laughs> um, we like He's, like, kind of tripping out in the water. His hands are hands. It's like a whole... Like, he's hearing these voices. It's Haboric, Jade stuff. What you make of it, Inge? He's he's back. Um, he's back. Our favorite Tusky yeah. boy. Is he back? So excited. He's he's like <laughs> kind of just a little back. <laughs> Can you sense my enthusiasm? <laughs> um, it's just like the same shit. This happens all the time. Haboric goes into that like weird state, and everybody's like Haboric hell, and he's like I can't. But this time he's like Yes, I can. Take my hand. So like. I don't know. I'm over it. I don't even know. I forgot what the shield anvil. I guess that's the guy that uh, was like obviously pardoning everyone in that last book. And you guys were like, oh, that's so nice. Yeah, it Covian. Yeah, it was yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So is that confirmed? Is what confirmed about that? That he's that? That he's the shield anvil? I mean, he seemed pretty convinced. Yeah, I don't know if we're ever going to get like a... Like, I don't think wow. Treach is going to come up and be like, hello, here are my, here's a list of my friends and here are their positions. Like, yeah, I do all think it's kind of funny that like this old ass man with no hands got tiger stripes and he was like, you know, there's three positions and you know what one I fulfilled the best is number one kill boy. That's what I do. <laughs> like, it's number one kill boy, sad man or holy guy. And it's like. Haboric, sad man, was calling for you from the jump. Mm. I don't know how he didn't see it coming. Well, isn't Destrian... Isn't Destrian's the holy guy, isn't it? Yeah, and we already had oh. a mortal sword of Treach. We right. did have... We did, yeah. Yeah, fucking Gruntle. Right. right. Gruntle's the mortal sword. Haboric thought he was the Destrian, but did he's actually he? the... Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, you're right. He didn't think he was mortal sword. I'm still, though, number one sad boy. <laughs> yeah. At, that, that's been calling to him, so... So, like, AJ, like, all of these mm. jade, these comments, the, oh, we didn't even <laughs> yeah. mention it. The moon got fucked up. Boom. Yeah. Everyone was just like, uh, can I, I'm sorry to dominate this for a second. I feel like everyone all at once was just like, I thought the moon looked, and I, that's bullshit. You didn't think the moon looked different, every character in this novel. And also, are they coming from the moon? All I'll say is, at no point would I be like, huh, looks like something like hit the moon. 
weird anyway especially yeah, and yeah. Then move on yeah. with my day yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah like the moon pretty much looks one way you know especially yeah, if i ever looked at our moon and it didn't look exactly how you all are picturing a moon looking like fuck dude i'm, I don't I'm know. stressed i don't know yeah, 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 yeah definitely yeah. stressed definitely stressed but but anyway odd so then like all these bad boys start coming down but they all all coming in on the otatateral isle and like the mm-hmm. hands are coming up and like yeah and like bada bing bada yeah. boom haborks here baby <laughs> yeah it was it was cool like what he um i i just like I, I don't know that whole thing i think my jaw was like I I don't really haven't had one of those moments through this whole book. I don't think like chapter seven was, you know, a great chapter and uh, amazing stuff happened. But like this moment had my like my jaw was just dropped the whole time of like the jade hands coming up and shower, you know, drowning or whatever. And and the, the stuff falling from the sky and everybody just like, well, I guess this is it. Like. The whole time I was just like, ah, like, I feel like in chapter seven, everything's so stretched out that mm. it's it, it, for my jaw to be dropped that long would would have been a real feat, you know. But this is like, you know, in 10 pages, this whole thing happens. And that the, all the every every one of those pages was just like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck? Absolutely um, nuts. And yeah. I think it started at the Fiddler and Bottle conversation where <laughs> uh Fiddler asks Bottle, do you understand this? And then says, is this another crippled god? <laughs> yeah. uh, and then Bottle just says, God's below. Fiddler says, is it? And Bottle says, I don't know. <laughs> and I was just like, fuck. And then that whole time I was like, is it another crippled god? I don't know. I don't know how these hands work. And then the hands came and protected the fucking island. I just uh, And Haborik was like, oh, I'm shield anvil, which for some reason really blew my whole head open. I think just because I love Vidkovian so much. But Damn. It was it was it was a lot. It was good. I loved it. I love this part and I love all Jade related stuff. It's my official opinion and I shan't speak more about it. Yeah. If I um, understood any of the Jade stuff, I'm sure I would have been like horny for this whole <laughs> section. But as it was, I was pretty much like, I don't get any of it. And I kind of breezed through it. Mm. Well, let me ask. Oh, but uh, go just like. But Josh, what about the part? The, the parts where we're. we're Hiboric is talking to the the Jade Hand voices. I could not so have given good. less of a shit so about those. Good. Are you serious? Oh my god! I think that's why it hit me so hard because it it was like the same thing of Idkovian like taking the Talani mass. And I got and stuff. that, but you know what? I understand is what the Talani mass are. <laughs> sure. I mean, so, I was just imagining just but like Josh. Don't ghosts? you remember the know. one other dream Hiboric had about the Jade ha- things? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. my problem is like if. If Steve sat me down and was like, here's my secret. The Jade people are from Earth and it's connect. I like I would be like, I believe it because there's nothing else to go off of right now. So who fucking knows what they are? I I, I had a hard time investing in that section personally. Yeah, Um, I just kept I had folded the page down when when it happened, but I I kept flipping back and forth. You monster. (laughs) Grub's little. F- uh, not philosophy. Uh, what's the fucking word? When you see, when you t- tell the future or whatever. Uh, uh, prophecy. 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 Yeah, I kept flipping back and forth between that part and Grubb's f- uh, prophecy um, on page 776 for you all reading at home. Um, but at one part he said, and the big man with the cut hands says yes. And I don't know if that is Haboric because ah. I never thought of Haboric as a big man. But, you know, that's just. I don't know. 
He's big oh, emotionally man. speaking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, so it just really fucking goddamn. Uh, oh, Pete, you you like breezed over it earlier with uh we're seeing all the people looking at the, the lights and Hellion talks with the knock. Oh until, the until you seen so good. Until you wrote knock in this write-up, I did not know who she was talking to. Honestly. 50-50 thought it was a god because she because it like the description was so weird and vague and i still don't know who i don't have a good like visualization of knock at all well he's the admiral of this so, fleet and we met i i know who he is but i have no idea what he looks like i've never really like paid attention when he was described so she was talking about him and didn't know who he was so i was like oh, i don't fucking know um, but uh okay it makes more sense now i do feel like the jade giants have s- slight Drain eye energy. Just that's my thought. But oh, just big drain eye energy. Just, just second World of Warcraft reference in two episodes. That's people. just a skush. Yeah, I came out about this, and I'm not coming. I'm not. It's just I'm on the record. We know. And I'm just. I did watch the whole cutscene from the latest retail raid, like the end of it. And all I'm saying is, all my homies hate Sylvanas, and she's not off the hook. All right, that's that's one for you gamers out there. Um. <laughs> So back to this, um, two, two, two things I wanted to bring up. So then everyone gets, everyone kind of gets rescued because the boat gets so fucked up and they get on the ship and they, we have these two moments, India first, uh, cutters talking to Mappo and Mappo's like, yeah, totally lost a Carium and cutters like, I'm sorry about that, bro. And Mappo <laughs> just, you know, gives a little, he he's really upset. I th- think he feels seen by cutter acknowledging his pain. And they kind yeah, of he embrace. Like he like has a whole emotion. Like they both, yeah. Yeah. I think I think they both have like a we failed our person kind of energy about them. Mm. And so I totally get what you mean by saying that he feels seen. Um, I think in that moment they're both kind of like it's so like I don't know <clears throat> maybe I don't know. I liked that <laughs> scene. I thought it was tender to be honest. I, um, I did too. I love these boys. Yeah, I think it's sweet because it's like them both being able to share and also kind of recognize that it really wasn't either of their faults kind of maybe not but that's how i kind of felt and then followed up by that we hear we get a little monologue we get a little point of view just from spite for a bit who's like ah sucks about mapo she thinks about the nameless ones and then she's like damn i hope Akarium goes meets my sister so you think lady envy Akarium meet up what do you think that's like Ange? I feel like Lady Envy is going to want to collect him. Oh. And like, just join my band of misfit toys. Yeah, yeah, like literally, I think she's going to be like, no, no, child, come with me. I got you. <laughs> to whatever with ends With her little magical powers, which yeah. would be like pretty wild, honestly. Yeah. So. I don't know. Josh, we then go to the Bone Hunters who are on the high seas and kind of the rest of the chapter takes place with them. Um. First, Kenneb is uh, acknowledging they're all going to die and uh, really feeling bad. Um, and uh, he then also is talking about the neighboring countries because they're passing some lands. Yeah. Um, so we hear a little bit about the Nethel and the parish. And then, of course, later the parish arrive. Um, I just wanted to check in about Kenneb, who's a character we've talked a little bit about this book, but is someone we've met in Deadhouse Gates, have followed him from being this Captain Kalam kind of encounters to him being in the army in book four, and now he's kind of this more important figure. So how do you feel about Kenneb and where, how do you feel this journey's been? Well, number one, he's a sub, 
and that pretty much encapsulates <laughs> everything he says and does. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just don't really know if a fist should be that. So I mean, who better to take the the the, don't, the fist don't, than a sub? Don't, there you go. Don't. Yeah, I was there. So. Um, I don't really, I don't know. I mean, it's, he, I think he's best in Deadhouse Gates because the stakes are so much lower for what he's doing. Like, they're so much more grounded. Um, and since then, he's risen to incompetence at a major, major way. I mean, I know he, like, listens to Grub, and that's good. But I don't know if listening to a four-year-old savant is really, like, grounds for promotion, most of the time. Yeah. Although in this in this army, kind of is. <laughs> I do agree in that I like Kenneb, but I wouldn't be like, he's the best commander we've got. Give him all of our resources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I trust him sometimes, and that's as much as I can give him. Yeah. Um I do want I I really think I'm noticing this trend in these books, and mm. it's not a bad thing, but we really don't mention that other places exist until four chapters before we need to go there. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Nethel wasn't a thing. Yeah. Oh, fuck. We forgot Nethel. Real quick, let's throw in a Trell epigraph. <laughs> and they fight the Nethel. Whoo, we did. We've got to go to the parish. All right, let's can, just spell it like the word parish and capital it and throw it some places and then we'll be good. <laughs> Like it's it's it really feels like these places have no history until all of us like and then they're just brought up like if they're this close to seven cities, how have we never heard about them in passing? Yeah, I mean, I guess. But on the other hand, <laughs> I don't talk about Kuala Lumpur every day, but it still exists. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not walking around I'm talking about the, <laughs> the, the oh towns my, around You know, there. I don't really know what the word would be for citizens of that nation. I was going to make a joke, but then I. I don't know how to say that. Qualum Limporis? I'm just saying because I don't, people don't talk about it in everyday life doesn't mean places don't exist. But <laughs> just to, 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 you know, to set aside that joke, I actually feel like there's actually two categories. First, it's we don't talk about it until we are imminently going there. Or number two, we talk about it, but we're never going there. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's happened. Well, that's because that happens with that fucking storm wall, which I want to say is a spinoff. Yeah, it's in, it's, it's, it's in one of the Esselmont books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like, we were hearing all about that, and I, I had a pretty good feeling we weren't going there. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that fits in that category for sure. Uh, AJ, do you take anything away from this Kalam Quick Ben conversation? Something's amongst the boats. Uh, no. <laughs> Just that Quick Ben knows something's up. That's that's kind of all. Or, or we talk about before the Greyhelms thing. Uh, before the Greyhelms. Oh, uh, is on. that is he talking about the aerosol or is he talking about uh, mail? Like, what's he talking about there? Because we know the aerosol has been pushing them and kind of is there and existing. But all right, PB can't answer. Yeah, I'm not answering. Oh, you know what? <laughs> no, you know, actually, never mind. I was going to say maybe it's the guy from the House of Chains. Maybe it's Gethel. Interesting. Maybe that's who he senses. B because as you bring it up, uh, Inge, of course, Tenai Baralta's in bed, feeling like shit. He's all sick and shit. And then who's that? We see him. We haven't seen this guy in like a super long time. I want to say Memories of Ice we saw him. I don't know. Anyway, the Jagged Gethel shows Maybe. up. He's like, I'm the Herald of House of Chains. You got to join our squad. We're, we're, we like the, the red blades are needed. 
Um, and Tenet Peralta is feeling scorned, so he kind of thinks about it, and then we check in a little bit on uh, Lestara. So, uh, what do you, what do you what what what'd you make of this? And what do you make of uh, him joining it? What do you think he'll do? What do you think the Red Blades will end up doing? Is Gethel a Jagat? Yeah, he's a Jagat. Thank you. Okay, I, okay. Who I don't remember him at all. I remember him. He was the one. He was dumb, and he tried. Didn't he try to get Carso too? And Carso was like GTFO. Yeah, I actually forget when he was introduced, to be honest. But he did try and recruit Carsa to the squad. Yeah, I remember that. I couldn't remember what he did prior to that. It was my issue. Yeah, I actually forget how he was introduced. I know more about him, but I don't know why we met him. This was is... I, yeah, I remember. Was there something in Memories of Ice? I think he, I think we meet him in Memories of Ice is my is my memory. I think we I get him thought... meeting the crippled god in Memories of Ice. Ah, that, uh, ah that's what it is. That, yeah, I, think... I think it's from the crippled god's point of view, maybe. Yeah, it's like one of those scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, and so what do you think this what do you think this recruitment means for the Red Blades and Tenebrolta? So yeah, so I just feel like I don't know. I think it's kind of stupid when anybody chooses this side. It feels like like it's kind of like a last resort, like they're really feeling down in the dumps um, for them to make those, that decision. So I think, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's going to be the crippled God is kind of like developing like a pretty solid group of people that are fucked um, and like crazy and just bent on like uh, revenge. And I just feel like it's going to make for a very interesting showdown at some point. I really hope there is one. I feel like that would be pretty pretty lit for like half the book to just die <laughs> but yeah so that's how i felt about that listara i don't know what is what is she even doing anymore like listara's they've they've really taken her um off the off the rails for me like understanding wise what her point is and what she's doing she just kind of is showing up places now and i'm just like i'm not i'm, I'm not following her at all well yeah yeah i i, I hear you um do you just you feel like you don't feel like she has like a purpose or not that I feel like she definitely does have a purpose. I just don't know what her agenda is. Mm. And and because she doesn't even have her own agenda, but she like kind of does. So is she trying to kill? Is she going to try to kill Teddy Baralta? That's or... what I was thinking. I was wondering if Cotillion was like putting her there to take care of Teddy Baralta. I was wondering that same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like not entirely sure what's happening. But uh, but that's that, that's my take. Mm. All right. Well, I guess we'll find out. So then the last part of this section, uh, AJ, the Grey Helms of Parish arrive. We yeah. mentioned them about the Mortal Swords and such. Josh mentioned yeah, we, Parish. They roll we meet up. The whole adorned in the wolf imagery. Shout out to Tog and Fandere. What up? Woof, 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 woof. <laughs> woof, woof, I guess. Um, so uh, this new army shows up and pledges allegiance because the end of the, 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 end of the world, you know? I guess so. <laughs> what, what Are these the Talani mass? Okay. Well, they went yeah, to what? like a Tog world. I don't know, guys. The Beast <laughs> Hold? Yeah, mm-hmm. they went to the Beast world. Are these them? Uh, that's different. So. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure these are just people these are just but people like, who love tog and fandere i mean don't we all dogs, woof woof yeah woof woof so Aj, what'd you make of them joining are you stoked about the our new wolf brethren i i'm stoked that tog and fandere are back woof woof. in the woof woof um 
but I mean, not much else about this was like exciting, really. Um, I, I think the 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 most interesting thing about the the Grey Helms uh, is that Quick Ben thinks something's up mm. or knows something's up. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Whatever, whatever Quick Ben knows, I think, is the most interesting thing yeah. about the Grey Helms right now. And Otherwise, like, I, I don't know. We haven't seen like a full like. Sure, sure. The big the big three of a of a, you know, following uh, since Memories of Ice. So that's fun. Well, let's talk about this Quick Ben thing. Do you have any p- pin on that? Because the chapter ends no. with him being like <gasps> and then running out to tell Tavor and then being like, <gasps> you know, right. Yeah, that that's pretty much it. <laughs> I, I didn't get anything out of it besides something's going on. I wonder what it is. Mm. Um, I did think Kalam had a pretty good zinger, though. High Mage Ben Adefan Delat, the Lord of High Diction, because Quick Ben just said shit. Yeah, very funny. Very good. Just good stuff. But all no, right. I, uh, I recognize those titles. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, listen, let's let's leave that this discussion of chapter 20 and these chapters here. But going into the final episode, oh, quickly, uh, you know, send us an email, 10 very big books, tweet at us, 10 very big books, tell a friend about the show. Uh, Cool. So um, (laughs) uh, let's get into the real meat going into it next week. We're going to be finished bone hunters. But a dome. But a dome. So let's pick a hot prediction about how this whole book is going to end. I'm going to start with Joshua Dean Baker. I'm turning to the last page so I can get a good idea. That's what I was just doing. God damn it. (laughs) I stole your bit. Uh, What do I think is going to happen in the rest of this book? How's it all going to wrap up? It's going to wrap up with Akarium and Karsa getting to the Tisty Eater uh, homeland, which I guess at this point is actually kind of Letheris. Uh, so they're going to get there. There's going to be uh, one final attack on the first throne. Um, we're going to see Andrak, Talant, whatever the fuck his name is. We're going to see them fighting. Uh, I have, and I think it's going to end with the 14th getting back to the city. I don't know. Something like that. I think I think the book's going to end with the people in place for the next book to really jet mm. forward. Mm. All right. AJ, what do you think? I I mean, we have, what, three chapters, four chapters left? Like Four chapters and an epilogue, I believe. <sighs> yeah, but that's a, hey, it's a chunky four oh, chapters. Chunky, it is, chunky. it is. And that's why I, I have no idea what's going to what's gonna happen, because I feel like we have, unless this thing with the Greyhounds is going to be uh, expounded upon immediately. Um, like, I feel like we've done a lot of, like, the big stuff happening with all these people, except the stuff at the first throne. But I can't see that stuff happening over four chapters. <laughs> um, so I, I have no idea. But I think some I think the final chapter is going to be the the a, a final, you know, attack on the first throne. Mm, and, I like that idea. And Onrak's going to get angry. And I think that's going to be the end of the book. But I have no idea what's going to happen leading up. I think we have we have seen the last of uh Icarium and Terralac Vede for this book. I don't know if they're gonna pop back up. If anything, they're just gonna get to Letheris and that's it. Like I don't think uh I, I just I just don't know, man. Mm. That's that's really all I got. First throne stuff's gonna happen. It's gonna be it's gonna be nuts and that's gonna be the the final chapter. Alright. Well <sighs> yeah. And last and certainly not least, India, what do you think's happening at the end of this book? Um, okay. I have a hot take. Hot take. And my take is this. I take that 
We're not even going to land anywhere. I believe mm. that these four mm. chapters are going to take place entirely on the water. And in Interesting. Boats. And I don't know. That's it. That's all I got. I don't know if there's going to... I feel like... I, I, I have a feeling that we're not going to reach any conflict at the end of this book. Mm. What I think is that we're going to just have a lot of different conversations on our different boats and mm. then perhaps start the next book after we're <laughs> off the boat. Yeah, I uh, it's curious because like we were just like floor foot to the floor, like doing some stuff, you know, so it's like now what I, I think the, I think I could see what what you're saying. India. I think I could see that happening. Are we going to well, do you're is, so right. Are we going to get is Habora going to come back? You think in this book? <sighs> I don't know. See, I don't know I don't if know. he's back is the thing. The problem is it's it's four beefy chapters, right? And anything can happen. I think that, yeah. And I think the biggest, the biggest confusion or the, the biggest pain point for me is that they are so big, which means stuff has to happen. In them. Right. <laughs> you know exactly, what I mean? Exactly. Like, I can't. Ah, I just don't know. Pete, well, what are you predicting to happen by the end of the book? Yeah, I guess <laughs> yeah. we'll find out next time. I'm looking forward to reading the chapters and having that discussion uh, and putting a pin in book six. So uh, look forward to having that discussion then. And Josh, just so you know, Kuala Lumpur is the capital of Malaysia. It is not a country. I so. didn't think it was a country. Okay. All right. I feel better. Yeah. Anyway, uh, goodbye, everybody. That's a little geography <laughs> fact. See you. <laughs> Bye. See ya. Hello, everybody. Producer AJ here recording the perfect outro for Ryan and Black Diamond. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to give us your thoughts or feelings about this or any of our other episodes, you can always email us 10verybigbooks at gmail.com, tweet us at 10verybigbooks, or you can head on over to our Discord, bit.ly slash VBB Discord. That's capital V, capital B, capital B, capital D. Discord, that link will also be in the show notes. Thank you, as always, to all of our wonderful patrons over on patreon.com. If you would like, to add your name to our patron list, you can head on over to patreon.com slash 10verybigbooks. That link will also be in the show notes. And as always, thank you so very much to Dan Gezerick for making our spectacular cover art. You can follow him on Twitter at A underscore W underscore Dan G for the coldest Loki takes. And of course, the wonderful music in today's episode is by the one and only Amaranthan from their album Simulant Rain, which you can find along with their other music on bandcamp.com. Links to their pages will be in the show notes, and 10 very big books will be back in two weeks on July 30th, where we will be discussing chapters 21, 22, 23, 24, and the epilogue of The Bone Hunters. I cannot believe that we are already at the end of this book. Uh, I'll talk to you then, and thank you so much for listening. Yeah, I mean, just like not on the show. I just like how the epigraph for the, the chapter is like, what is there left to understand? Choice is an illusion. Freedom is a conceit. And then it ends with like, hi, do you want some boner pills? Like, yeah, it's so really, good. really good. <sighs> Moving on. Oops.